to be a yogi. I'm Edward Reed, producer and host of the To Be a Yogi podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing Maya Pockets. We'll be talking about her meditative creative writing workshops, as well as Kundalini Yoga, Satnam Rasayan, body image and eating disorders as it relates to yoga, as well as her upcoming book, Sociology of the Present, Yoga and Social Change. And so, without further ado, let's get to that interview, shall we? Hello, welcome to the To Be A Yogi podcast. Thank you very much. So good morning, America. Good morning. Well, it's evening to you, right? You're in Amsterdam. Yeah, in Amsterdam is afternoon at 6 p.m. Oh, okay. So the sun is still up? Oh, here the sun is up until 10 p.m. or so. Oh, wow. Amazing. Day is very long here. Beautiful. Oh, that makes sense because you're further north. Uh, yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm from Belgrade, Serbia, but I moved here recently to finish my book here in a different atmosphere. It's very inspiring. What's the name of that book again? Sociology of the Present, Yoga and Social Change. Sociology of the Present, Yoga and Social Change? Yeah, big title. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Sociology (laughs) of the Present in like the big bold and then underneath like Yoga and Social Change. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of intended to be that way. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. How did yoga change your life? First, I started yoga because I needed some help with my uh, respiratory issues when I was uh, in a young teenage years. Mm -hmm. So first for me, it was a healing. And then later I was trying to find some peace of mind, some some feeling of connection. Mm. Because, you know, when we are young, we have so much energy and we just want to party, you know, to have <laughs> fun. But then there are always so many problems and everything. And we just often feel disconnected, disconnected and lonely and misunderstood. And we spend a lot of time online, but in a real life, are we really so satisfied, you know? Mm. But we just don't feel that support that we need. I think a lot of adults feel that way too. Yes, also. You Children, know. probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was for me, you know, with yoga practice, I found that connection, that feeling of connection first with myself, with my own body, with my thoughts, with my feelings, and then just a better connection in relationships with family, with friends, with colleagues, and then it comes uh, somehow naturally to feel that connection with all the world, with everything that lives. You know, not only with human, but with plants, with animals, with the universe. I mean, it may sound poetic this way, but it really works. I mean, yoga itself means unity, but that is for us actually feeling of connection. I think that some things can only be expressed poetically. The, the The system of grammar is too rigid. You can only say, I went to the store to buy eggs. You can't say, you know, <laughs> anything real, you know. Actual experience, of course, is, is really the only way to know. Yes, exactly. You can read many books or watch movies, but until you live it for yourself, you know, you can only imagine how it looks like. Yeah. So also, you know, people think they have to be flexible or very healthy or pretty or whatever to start with yoga practice. But that is simply not true because you can start it anyway. You know, if you can breathe, you can practice yoga. So. Yeah. 
So I, I, I read one, um, you had sent me one example where you talked about yoga and eating disorders. Yeah, I call that a tiny particle because it really is. <laughs> would you consider that a negative effect of yoga or would you consider that unrelated to yoga? Uh, it is kind of a consequence of a misunderstanding of mm. yoga. Ignorance. Ignorance, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yoga industry is something completely different than uh, traditional yoga philosophy. Right. That is what we uh, Western people need to understand. And we should stop commercialize yoga and use it as a real possibility for a change, not only inside, but also outside in our society, in our communities. So we could make our life more uh, beautiful in every sense. Yeah. But yoga also can be a remedy for eating disorders because there is always some psychological cause. With yoga, we should go deep into these mental issues that are bothering us. And then when we resolve our causes, there are no consequences. Svadhyaya, self-study. Yes, so we should learn that yoga is for everybody, every age, every race, every body shape, because body image is something that is kind of dangerous trend. You know, you can always see some white skinny yoginis in somewhere on the beach doing some fancy asana poses. I call that asana porn, you know. That is not <laughs> yoga. <laughs> You know, that is like, let's be famous on Instagram and everything, but it's just a physical postures are just only one part. I can't help but wonder, because I, I have, I'm, I mean, I live in uh, Southern California, so I have friends who who are good friends of mine, who, who I discuss yoga philosophy with, who have Instagram accounts where they post their pictures, and they also happen to be very white and very pretty. So, I, I mean, yoga means unity at a certain point, there's sort of a disunity, talking about things that come in from outside of yoga. There's this sense of, you know, us versus them and people identifying themselves as, as this and not that. And then bringing that into the context of yoga and pointing to that and saying, ah, there's someone who doesn't understand. There's someone who's posting on Instagram who doesn't understand. I just, I don't know. I wonder if there's, um, if there's something genuine to be found in what appears to be artificial sometimes. Like I teach at Crunch Fitness, for instance, but I study yoga philosophy. Like we're, we're trying. Uh, there is nothing bad in, you know, posting uh, asana photos and being famous and mm. kind of stuff. If you use yeah. it wisely, you don't abuse it. So it's up to us. How would someone be able to use that wisely? Well, to inspire others. For it. So you can do it in some inspirational way, motivational way. So you can make some creative yeah. and constructive change, you know, and also to make some nice community so where people can learn and grow together. But also, on the other hand, we can see so much, as you said, you know, almost fights yeah. in different uh, yoga schools. And uh, right. you know, my method is better than yours. Is it better? <laughs> Sashtanga or Kundalini or... I, I posted my, uh, my schedule for the classes I'm teaching this week and someone posted a comment saying, Try Bikram, you are ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are ready. It's funny, but some people can be frightened because of it. You know, there are still so many controversies about yoga origin, about uh, traditional methods and modern methods. You know, people in India sometimes are confused with the modern yoga, like uh, the newest trend is beer yoga in London. Mm. 
beer yoga? Oh, we're drinking beer? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I it's see. Yeah, funny, that's, that's disrespectful. <laughs> that's objectively wrong, I'd say. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe it's for some naked people it's... Yoga also, naked yoga is very popular yeah, in Romania. Yeah, it depends on the spirit. If there's someone filming it and there's a... Yeah, but also, you know, for hot yoga... Some people say, why would I do that? But yeah. again, if it is summertime, you're doing it anyway. <laughs> That's true, yeah. But also, I think every kind or every method, how to call it, have its own uh, benefits. So yeah. it doesn't have to be, you know, there, we are all different. We are all one, but also we are all individuals. Yeah. So we should kind of celebrate diversity in this unity. Very much. I agree. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> So it is good to try several methods. It is uh, excellent to try different teachers or to uh, watch YouTube videos. There are so many options nowadays, but it is important to do our own research to find which uh, method is the best for us. I saw something about Apple Kriya. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, had, I had never seen that one before. Well, in Kundalini Yoga, we have Kriyas that are like special kind of uh, exercises. Mm -hmm. uh, they are different than, than uh, exact Kriya Yoga because this is Kundalini as taught by Yogi Bhajan. But there are also, you know, it's not the only Kundalini. Like when you say Ashtanga, people mostly think of Patabi Joyce Ashtanga. But, there, you know, there are several, you can re research everything. So there are so many information. Yoga is such a vast subject. But it is always inspiring to learn something new, you know, so yeah. I think people should read books. <laughs> For sure. Now, there was a, a, a Kundalini yoga teacher, Nam Rasayan. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, it is uh, Satnam Rasayan. Uh, it is a healing mm. method. Uh, that is, it is similar with Kundalini yoga, but it, that is not the same. Oh, okay. Healing. It's related to ten bodies. Oh, uh, I see. When I organize uh, Kundalini Yoga workshops, uh, I also organize Satnam Rasayan healing session mm -hmm. by our teacher Prakash Chagu. And uh, it is very interesting because it's kind of a healing art and uh, it exactly means deep relaxation in the true identity. Mm. Kind of metaphor. But entering into that state of Satnam Rasayan, that is like entering in a state of Shunya in a state of total surrender. Mm. So in this place, healing can be reached uh, in that one-on-one -on -one setting. So between healer and a client, or between teacher and a group of students, or you can do it by, by yourself if you teach how to do. That works in a, some kind of a subtle level, and it goes through projective meditative mind. I remember there was um, a friend of mine who had spent some number of years doing Kundalini Yoga and he had me um, working with circulating energy up the spine and down the front while uh, exhaling nam, yeah, inhaling sat and exhaling nam. Made me think of that. Uh, he was yeah. saying it was truth identity. Yeah, that is very interesting because exactly sat nam is that what heals. But uh, in this session, uh, you don't have to breathe in a special way or mm. so, you just lie down on your back, close your eyes and relax. So even if you use it just as a relaxation, it also has many healing benefits. But uh, when you just relax and let the healer do uh, with his projective meditative mind, it, it can access uh, and balance five elements. 
you know, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mm-hmm. and it works on pranic body. So it involves a holding space, holding neutral, neutral state of awareness and being aware of everything. Because through that space, you allow resistance to change and to release uh, if you just continue to hold that state of awareness. Interesting. I suggest you try it and then tell us about your impressions. Thank you. I was so confused to notice how with so much yoga popularity, uh, there is still so much misunderstanding of yoga. So I started the research and that is what completely changed my life because I wanted just to have some personal answers. But then I discovered that uh, those are some global issues. Uh, many prejudices are just uh, illusions, you know, some masks that uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, like there's the way things are where people bring their vanity and their ego and their pride and their competition and all this other stuff into it. Um, I've noticed that sometimes people will grow up in like a, a repressive, like around, I don't know if you've, got similar things in Europe, but here we've got weird states where there's these really shady churches, like they're supposedly Christian, but there's really just someone up there yelling and making everybody cry and feel bad. And people are walking around very uptight and judging each other and themselves. And so people grow up there and then leave and come to California to get away, you know, or San Francisco, you know, wherever they go and then start embracing something like new age ideas and yoga, for instance, and then they seem to bring in some of those chains from their former life into the yoga community as if it were another church or another place for people to be judging each other or for there to be. Does any of this sound familiar? Well, it is always a mistake to be a blind believer. So even if it is about yoga teacher or a religious uh, leader or something. Yeah. Living is always bad, but you know, uh, still uh, we have so many uh, beautiful things that we share from any country. For example, with yoga, uh, it just helps us feel alive, feel flowing, mm-hmm. because many of us have health issues wherever we are. And instead of pharmaceutical drugs, we can heal with holistic therapies such as yoga, or start to use power of our breathing to become aware of that. Yeah. Or if we have self-confidence issues, from yoga we learn we are good enough. You know, yeah. everything is a lesson. So, or with uh, body image issues, we learn not to compete, but to love and accept ourselves the way we are for the beginning. So later we can change whatever we want. Or if we have some inner restlessness issues, there is meditation for inner peace. Or, you know, if we have quality of life issues, so we have it anywhere in the world. Uh, from yoga, we learn that we should do the best we can no matter where we are and what are some social conditions. Or if we have some, some how to call them, mind-style issues, we learn to go from complaining into state of gratitude. So I would like to see that, you know, <laughs> in practice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking how someone can have a, a lot of money and then do, you know, drugs and eat a lot of cheeseburgers and feel miserable. But you don't have to have a lot of money to do yoga every day and feel great. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it is, we can start from those healing powers. Because, uh, for example, in my book, uh, there is one part uh, about yoga therapy. 
So I, I done interview with yoga therapists around the world. So there is like uh, uh, Sheila that is from Hong Kong or Nutan from India or Luis from Australia or Ellen from Brazil or Pereira from Spain, different countries. Mm-hmm. And they are all of uh, various age, background, experience, profession, everything. But they all have personal experience of healing powers of yoga. So, for example, one uh, healed her sciatic pain and she created program yoga for back. So the, the other one also healed her injury or uh, Sheila, for example, she healed her thyroid gland using yoga. So it's a good inspiration. You know, because people think they need to be flexible and everything. And also, one big prejudice in modern world is that yoga is a girl thing. You know, yoga right. is for... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever there's a picture of, you know, I'm the only male yoga teacher at the studio I teach at. And there's, you know, whenever there's a group photo, I tend to be the only guy. But there's, there's a few students, a few male students that go. <laughs> yeah, I noticed everywhere, you know, it is 10 to 30% if you're lucky that are men. So I wanted to ask you, how is it on your classes? Do you notice that men are more interested? It's uh, it's mostly women. Um, I, I teach a class at Crunch um, that is about half and half. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that Hollywood, there's a little bit more of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the gender stereotypes that seem to be in place throughout most of the world are a little looser in Hollywood. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. But I think that what happened was there was an interview where Marilyn Monroe had told the interviewer that yoga was her secret to having great legs. Yeah. <laughs> it came out of the 1950s and, and just sort of kept rolling that direction to where now it's, um, yeah, it's strange because you don't see that in India. It seems to be mostly men doing yoga in India. Exactly, you know, and more greatest yoga teachers uh, from history, they were men. But today, men are still kind of shy about it. But also you can see, for example, famous uh, Lebron James, or uh, Novak Djokovic, he's a Serb and tennis racket, one of the best. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, famous sports guy, uh, but also David Duchovny, as I remember, he practices yoga too. Mm-hmm. It's a good inspiration, but for guys, you know, how, how to inspire them? You know, I think there are some two extreme uh, wrong attitudes toward men today. I think first one is uh, commercialized uh, Mr. Superpower Rockstar Yogi. <laughs> and the other one is kind of a Mr. Yoga is not macho enough for me, but actually I'm just insecure type of guy. Interesting. Yeah, one thing that really got me thinking was, because um, I, I, I've always had an affinity for Buddhism, and um, I was listening to Alan Watts, and he was he was describing... Siddhartha Gautama practicing yoga poses and then sitting in Padmasana and achieving his famous, you know, awakening, enlightenment, nirvana. And uh, that kind of, in my mind, elevated yoga. I mean, I know that yoga on its own, does, it doesn't need Buddhism to, 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 to vouch for it. But for me, that's what spoke to me. Um, there's some, some articles in yoga magazines that talk about how, how uh, ignorant it is to think of yoga and Buddhism as together when it comes from the Vedas and, and things like that. And the studio I work at has Buddha statues all over it. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it works energetically. Um, I hope it doesn't offend anyone, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, for Buddhism, you can think of it as a philosophy also. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a religion. 
doesn't have to be a religion at all. And also, uh, it is interesting in history how uh, yoga and Hinduism developed and how yoga and Buddhism developed, but also other religions. I mean, it's just uh, interesting to look at it. But you can use yoga as a sport also. It's not fine. Uh, be fit and uh, healthy and uh, have more energy, that is okay. You don't have to go into uh, depths of yoga. Yeah. But always invite it. You know, if you want to work on your mind also. And anyway, it will work on your mind too. <laughs> yeah, and it's all connected. Yes. I've been, lately I've been uh, talking in my classes about the two niyamas santosha and tapas and how um it, it's sort of like a metaphor that i've used in a similar but different context was like if if you're climbing a ladder toward the divine then you feel detached you feel like you're far away you feel like you're small you know in a big world but if the whole thing if the ladder the moving and yourself is divine then why climb and so yeah. that's, that's kind of like Santosha. It's all divine. Everything's cool. You're cool exactly the way you are. Today is fine, exactly the way it is. Santosha. Okay, well, then why change anything? Tapas. Because <laughs> you, you have to keep growing. You have to keep burning. You have to keep regenerating and pushing forward. And, but you, you, can, you can lose yourself in one or the other. You can forget about tapas and just be totally like, yeah, man, everything's cool. But then there's the other end of it where it's just all... I will accomplish this and no, you know, um, you know, contentment, no present time acceptance. This is also interesting that there are, you know, different paths of yoga mm -hmm. and today we call it styles. But if you ask any traditional yoga teacher, he will tell you there are no styles of yoga. You know, yoga is only one. But you can say there are different parts like karma yoga or yoga of action mm -hmm. or bhakti yoga, the yoga of devotion or... Uh, I mean, it depends on your type of personality. So you can do karma yoga just by doing some selfless service, selfless yeah. action, helping others, you know. Yeah. Yeah, better not to talk about bhakti yoga because people will say, oh, we don't need that Hinduism. But <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it is also something misunderstood. Uh, if, you, if you just devote yourself to... Uh, you can say God's will, you can say universe, you can call it whatever you like, you know, but something what you believe in, you can call it your higher self. So if you just devote to it and you have strong emotions that need to be canalized, channelized, yeah. then it can help you a lot. It can strengthen you inside and... Uh, yeah, I'm always speaking about philosophy. <laughs> I don't know why that is my, you know, my most interesting topic. Yeah. For example, uh, the misunderstanding of the word samadhi. Mm. It, it is often translated as an ecstasy. You know, people oh. say liberation, self-realization. But I also see the word ecstasy a lot. Right. I asked my friend uh, Siddhartha Krishna, who is yoga philosopher and a great, great teacher. And... Uh, uh, he said this, uh, that uh, samadhi should be described uh, as a awareness of the act of meditating. It's almost like that's put there by someone saying, "Oh, well, if you if you keep coming back and paying 19.95 a week, then eventually you'll get to samadhi, which is ecstasy." 
you know, like a, a way to try to lure people along the path, you know, rather than saying, oh, well, if you get to this place, you'll be in a place of, you know, transcendence and nothing will move you one way or the other. And that doesn't really sell tickets. <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe they yeah. throw in the word ecstasy to like make it more interesting. Yeah, and you know, it is just a kind of natural flow from uh, dhyana, and dhyana means meditation. Mm. So it's a deep meditation, actually. Yeah. There's, um, the, the word is used in various forms of Buddhism all the way out to Zen Buddhism, and it seems to have a subtlety, like the word dharma ends up being used with slightly different meanings or contexts depending on who's saying it and what century it is. <laughs> yeah. But Patanjali is what we're looking at here. Yeah, you know, there is a new book about uh, Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutras. Mm -hmm. uh, it is edited by, written and edited, translated actually by Siddhartha Krishna. Uh, I need to send you that that link just Thank to you. see it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It is with uh, most amazing pictures. Mm -hmm. And it comes with some uh, golden frame, and it, it is aesthetically divine. Mm. I'll definitely have to add that to my yoga library. Yeah, it is pretty expensive. I think it will be nearly $1,000. I'll have to save up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if somebody wants to send it as a gift. <laughs> yeah, that is the best. I liked the concept of um, meditative creative writing. Yes. That is something I am doing for many years for myself, mm -hmm. and uh, I decided to, you know, create it as a concept so I can offer it to people because there is a lot of interest. Uh, uh, it's always important to honor our intuition, but uh, this concept is holistic one, uh, an eclectic one, mm -hmm. because we use both. Uh, 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 analytic part of mind and intuitive part of mind. So uh, you should try definitely. There is some yoga, there is some chanting, there are some visualization, meditation, and there are some questions that needs to be answered. But answers comes from within when we make a space for it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a poetry in motion, some kind of a flow. Yeah. Yeah. That comes from within. Yes. So, are you teaching yoga? I am not a yoga teacher. Uh, I practice yoga for, I don't know, 17 years mm -hmm. or so. Uh, I'm researching it all the time, learning something new about it. Had many, many teachers and tried different schools and uh, variations. <laughs> People changed my life just uh, by reading their books. Mm. What, uh, what, what, what books would you recommend? I think the best book to read about yoga is the book that is going to be published soon. By some girl from Serbia. <laughs> I think I talked to her once online. <laughs> she wanted to do a research about prejudices and yoga in modern society. So it was originally about the prejudices? Yeah, originally it was about yoga and religions. Because on the first yoga day, there were some controversies about yoga as a religion, you know, right. religious practice. And I was kind of disturbed by some statements from some orthodox priests in my country. Mm. That it was because satanics was, and whatnot. Uh, it's spiritual, but not religious. But then I wanted to know more about uh, uh, other religions and their relation to yoga, 
like what is situation in Muslim countries or in uh, Israel or you know mm-hmm. and also how how things go with uh, artists how do they you know, understand yoga philosophy and everything and then I realized there is so much more you know yoga has been abused in so many ways in modern society and that is one big chapter that I call Wicked Games. Because uh, it is all about mind population, mass populations, uh, manipulation. So it's about behavior manipulation. So yoga is now yoga industry. And we can see in the Western world, uh, yoga profit goes in uh, millions and millions of dollars every year. And there is so much yoga clothes and yoga shoes and yoga yeah. shirts. That is completely something which is not yoga. Unrelated, yeah. Yoga mats. Yoga mats. Yeah, you can practice, you know, in your most plain t-shirt and everywhere, anytime. But when you see through this uh, manipulation, you can see the other side when there is true yoga and yoga communities and positive impact they mm. make only to themselves and their own life and their families, but also to their communities and sending those vibrations to the universe, you know. That feeling that we are united humans of Earth Mm. and that we are all together on this cosmic ship called our planet. So that we are are living in this chaos, but we should embrace it as a kind of divine dance. So we should remind ourselves in that real meaning of yoga or unity or integration that is actually love, you know, love for life. Love and the divine dance. Exactly. You're a dancer, aren't you? Well, yeah, I dance all my life. That is something that makes me feel alive and free and creative. And I used to teach uh, dancing workshops. We used to call it art of movement. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a dance therapy and a music therapy. We also made some uh, original music with my friend from uh, Divine Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very nice, but now I decided to integrate uh, that dance into this holistic intelligence workshops, which is also meditative creative writing, because I don't like to label myself. You know, labels are just not my cup of tea. So I like to be open for all uh, new research. Because every research leads to something new. And if you kind of label yourself, I'm just a meditation teacher or I just belong to this school or that school, you kind of you're closing some doors right. to some new ways of perception. Well, if, if you don't mind my saying so, if you were to have labels based on what you've told me, and then the fact that you do a vinyasa meditation creative writing workshop, sounds to me like you're a yoga teacher. Well, you can say that, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't have any certificate. Right, (laughs) but it's okay. No, you're a yoga teacher. I'm just now getting into the workshops myself, but I've been teaching yoga classes for a few years. (laughs) That is great. Workshops are a great opportunity to share. For me, that is sharing. Also as a dance. For me, dance is sharing, and it's kind of a big hug, you know. Yeah. And uh, 20 or 50 people dance together is just one big hug motion you know hug in motion yeah yeah for me you know i for last maybe three years i think i've been practicing kundalini yoga mm. mostly mm-hmm. and uh, chanting is something that is 
something special for me. Uh, for example, Adi Shakti is my favorite mantra. Adi Shakti, Adi Shakti, Namo, Namo, Namo. It always brings me joy, you know. It cannot be something that, oh, I listen to it or I... I've been into it so many times that it's boring or something. Right. No, it's never boring. It's always something new, something new, inspiring. Mm, that's beautiful. Do you use some mantras in your yoga class? Not in my classes, no. Uh, but I grew up doing um, chants for each of the uh, the chakras. Uh, my dad was into a tantric form, uh, Tibetan Tibetan tantric Buddhism. So we would do morning meditations, and so that was kind of my background leading into it. So I've experienced the chanting and I've listened to Kirtan but I haven't really delved into classes with a lot of chanting yet um, but I've done some workshops and it was included in part of, as part of my yoga training yoga teacher training that is great but you know the chants are still controversial because they are also considered religious right. also for example in my workshops I use some Kundalini mantras but also some Buddhist mantras it depends on topic hmm. uh, and for me it's just a uh, that divine sound, yeah. you know, that is something beyond, beyond explanation. So. I think it might be a little bit different, because um, in, in Los Angeles it's kind of like anything goes as far as like everybody's nephew is in some cult or other, there's Scientology down the street. So I mean, you know, there's there, there might be a few people who are like, well, I'm an atheist and I resent being told that I have the option to join in an ohm. <laughs> but that might be something that comes up in Amsterdam where there's more people that are, you know, I'm here for the poses, leave me alone with that Hinduism. Yeah, well, everywhere in the world you have, you know, people belonging to just one school or just, it's kind of cultish thing, but for me, I'm, I don't know, I'm just too curious. <laughs> yeah. So I always like... I think that's very healthy. It is, definitely. For example, it's good to listen Tina Turner because she has beautiful Buddhist mantras. Mm. You can find it on YouTube. So you can observe it just as a music. Yeah. And it's also great music for meditation. <laughs> yeah, it makes me want to learn learn more, you know, about the language. Yes, yes. I, I'm always curious what those words mean and, you know, always search for a meaning. But it is always something that you understand with your inner ear and your third eye if so but you know we like to rationalize to know <laughs> to explain everything that is also yeah. good i think there's there's i mean because you hear the birds singing to each other in the morning i think it's it's important to come together and chant like and it's nice for it not to always be we believe in one god the father almighty <laughs> you know i mean like not the same old thing like you were saying <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can even invent your own chant. You, yeah. know, you can invent the word and just uh, repeat it over and over and sing it in your own rhythm. I did that when like. I was young. <laughs> you are never too old to do that, so yeah. <laughs> you are still young. <laughs> my... I don't believe in time, you know. Time is just illusions. I told my dad that his word was Om, but my word was Kung. <laughs> Kung. <laughs> so I would, I would chant Kung while he was vibrating Om. <laughs> It has some Japanese sound in the inside. You know, I think that might have been, yeah, I think there might be some past life stuff there on the line. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I went and visited um, some Buddhist temples in Japan a few years ago and was 
absolutely moved. Very beautiful. But I haven't been to India yet. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Because there is one uh, uh, temple that I have to visit. It's called Maha Maya. Mm. So it's like, you know, my name is Maya. And Maya was mother of Buddha. Oh, beautiful. And there is one temple. Yeah. You know, many Buddhists, even like famous Buddhists, don't even know about it. Mm. And I, I had a... I was lucky to find out about it from uh, one uh, French doctor, like during some interview a long time ago. I was amazed. Really, Buddha's mother was named Maya. How is that possible? Mm. And there is that uh, temple that uh, it's not so famous, but it's very old. And I'm curious to go there just to feel the energy there. That's so interesting. I can't help but think of the, the word Maya as veil. Uh, art or illusion and to to contemplate the meaning of how Buddha would be born out of that. Yeah, it is funny, but also in uh, Greek and Roman mythology, oh, yeah. she's a goddess of Hermes spring. mother. Yes, yes. So huh. There are different meanings. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, when you speak about names, mm -hmm. there is one interesting thing that is uh, uh, in a relation with singing. Uh, when we feel confused and in that state of mind, oh, who am I, what am I doing here, and everything, mm -hmm. uh, it's good to chant our own name. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, try it sometimes. And also, if you go on a hiking, when you go to the mountaintop, there is good to kind of scream your name, but only once. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I've never done either of those things. Yeah, those are some ancient voice techniques, let's say so. Mm. Kind of a voice shamanic. Well, thank you for doing all of this research. Yeah, I want to send you several questions also for you to okay. add uh, something from your uh, your experience. Sure. Oh, yeah, I would love to, to contribute. Yes, I think that for me that chapter is my favorite one. Uh, it is about uh, uh, men and yoga, modern mm. men. Because, as we said, ancient uh, yoga teachers were mostly men, and today men are still kind of shy. So I, I just asked so many different men from various countries what is their experience and how how they, you know, inspire others and how yoga changed their life and everything. And they are all so inspiring from different cultures and different years, but all have that thing in common. So I want to add your impressions there also. Sure. Yeah, I can tell you about my experience being trained to teach broga. <laughs> oh, cool. Bro yoga. <laughs> yeah, I think for bodybuilders or fitness guys or guys who just like to sweat and to compete and to push their limits, mm -hmm. Ashtanga yoga is a great start. Okay. You know, you have to sweat on Ashtanga. <laughs> yeah. So you can build your muscles also. And I see that, uh, uh, you can tell me is that true, but I heard from my friends from U.S. that you have uh, like uh, uh, yoga for, uh, uh, how they call it, butt exercise or something to have a... Mm, yoga for healthy backs? No, no, yoga for your ass, tightening your ass. Oh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds like something someone would come up with. I mean, there's... I interviewed one person who actually said, you know, yoga is whatever you want it to be, right? And I said, hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think so. 
Yeah, well, you can make of it lots of things. Yeah, but... within reason. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the To Be A Yogi podcast today. Thank you very much. And I just want to say, if you come to Amsterdam, you should definitely visit uh, Yoga Fest Studio. They have a very interesting program. Okay. And if I should uh, recommend uh, the best yoga teacher in uh, Amsterdam, that would be Ellen van der Kam. She is completely fantastic. Okay. I will keep that in mind when I'm in Amsterdam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you, Maya, for being our guest on the To Be A Yogi podcast tonight. Special thanks to Brian Dahl, and that's B-R-Y-I-N-D-A-L-L, for the music you're hearing in the background right now. Also, special thanks to Chris Isaac for that brief clip of Wicked Games. Special thanks to Stadium Fitness Yoga. Visit stadiumfitnessyoga.com. Click on Events and Workshops. Scroll down and sign up now for Chakras and Sephirot with Edward. That's me. It's on Saturday, July 22nd at 6.30 p.m. Also, on the 7th, there's a workshop called A Full Moon Freedom Sound Bath with Reiki and Crystal Healing. And that's with our co-host Lindsay Kimura and Sahara Ali. Thank you all for tuning in. Namaste. Namaste.